Welcome back. I'm Neil Scott on Recovery Coast to Coast, and our center stage segment tonight features a visit with Hershey Felder, the brilliantly talented theatrical impresario. He stars in the one-man delight that is the season's crown jewel at the Seattle Repertory Theater. It's Hershey Felder's Irving Berlin. Uh, there's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is that it's only here through March 18th, so you're going to have to be quick on this one. Good news is that it's over-the-top excellent. It's part history, it's part entertainment, as Hershey Felder becomes Irving Berlin, America's music master. From his immigration to the United States at the age of five, through a long and enduring career as a songwriter, through his final reflective years, passing away at the age of 101. I was in complete awe as I and the entire theater sang along with Hershey as Berlin to many of the tunes of our times, including God Bless America, White Christmas, and truly one of the most romantic love songs ever, always. And to me, it was like seeing old friends who I'd lost touch with over the years, hearing those songs again. Hershey's kind enough to join us for a few moments to shine a light on the production, as well as sharing a bit more about Berlin and Hershey Felder as well. Welcome to Seattle, Hershey. You've been here before, correct? I was here when I was 19 years old, uh, which was a while ago, and I played one night, one concert, and tried over the years to come back, and uh, the schedule never allowed for it. And finally, uh, over the past four years, I've been discussing with Seattle Rep, let's see if we can do something. The schedule opened up, and I'm so thrilled because I really love this city. Oh, my goodness. And I love the people. There's a a generosity and a kindness, and there's also... uh, a desire to take part in something fun. So that's made it really a great, uh, you know, I've been here for two weeks. I feel like I've got all city of new friends. And that's <laughs> wonderful, you know? Have you had a chance to see around the city at all? The Metropolitan Market. Uh-huh. Let me, <laughs> that makes me very happy, that Metropolitan Market. You know, I don't know if it makes my costume designer very happy, but for me, it's terrific. Um, you know, when you do something like this, you only have so much time to be able to travel about, uh, you know, because you're... sure. It's from your hotel to your theater, you know, you have a lot of that to do. But the nice thing is, is that everywhere you look here, there's something beautiful to see, and the air is very soft. And so uh, it's been a pleasure on that. I did get to Pike's Place, you know. Ah, okay, of course. Yes, and I walked from the theater, so I was very proud of myself. Um, and, uh, and I enjoyed myself very much. And, of course, the food is wonderful, but the company is what's really great. Irving Berlin, Hershey Felder. Uh, it's playing at the Seattle Rep through March 18th. You can find out more about it at the uh, Seattle Rep website. It's more than just a musical. It's the life and the times of a man who had decades-long love affairs with people in America, with the country of the United States of America. And your fascination with Irving Berlin was magnified after you met his three daughters. And let's begin there. How did that meeting come about, Hershey? A friend in New York uh, suggested that I do this character. And I really wasn't uh, inclined to do it because I come from a more classical background. And I thought, you know, well, uh, why don't I just meet the family? Wouldn't that be nice? And I went to meet them in New York uh, with Ted Chapin, who runs the Rogers and Hammerstein, mm-hmm. uh, as well as um, as well as the Irving Berlin Estate. And I thought, you know, well, we'll take a meeting. Well, I found them to be so interesting and so genuine and so nice and um, really caring. But they were real people, you know, and I think that was the most important thing. But they also confirmed for me that all this patriotism that we see out of Berlin, that it wasn't grandstanding or this notion of wanting to, um, you know, sell songs or finding a hook, so to speak, that it was actually genuine. 
that he came from, uh, you know, Tsarist Russia, where his family, his town was annihilated. And he came to this country, saw the Statue of Liberty, and he felt that he wanted to give thanks for the freedom this country gave for his entire life. And there are many things we learn in the show, but, you know, many of the things that I learned, that God Bless America, a song that everybody knows, you know, it's almost like a folk song, that Berlin's never made a cent from it. He donated every single last penny to the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts of America since its inception, since wow. 1958. So you think of it, it's millions and millions of dollars of royalties from that song that have gone to that organization. What a wonderful thing that is. But he, he did a lot of this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, you think of 9-11, you know, quite a bit of time ago, but it keeps on creeping up in our consciousness and the notion that people all over the world singing that song and people standing on on the steps of Congress and singing that song. And you think where it originated from, why it originated. And because it was a man who just wanted to give thanks to the country that he loved so much. Um, Genuine. And that was the part that made me fall in love with this character and this industry. How long did it take to write the production? You know, these things always take your whole life in a couple of years. <laughs> um, your whole life, because, you know, every experience that you have, certainly me with these stage works that I do, you know, I learn what not to do. What to do is a whole other story, and that takes about two years. Um, you know, and it, it's a process. It's a process of then once you, you put it on its feet, finding exactly the rhythms, exactly the, the character, and so on and so forth. And that's about six months in front of an audience. And then... Unless it's a good thing here, I'm in my fourth year of this character, so at least Seattle gets the finished product. Very lucky. <laughs> and, um, and you know, it, it takes a good deal of time to really invest in the storytelling to make certain that everything that's in there needs to be in there and anything that doesn't need to be in there isn't, so that it unfolds as an evening that is very clear and very straightforward and very accessible, because that's the way Irving Berlin would have wanted it. He believed in that. He believed in accessibility and that everybody should be able to share in the music and lyrics that he writes. The production is Hershey Felder as Irving Berlin. It's at the Seattle Rep through the 18th of March, and you can find out more about it by going to their website, seattlerep.org. How many performances have you done of Berlin? Mm, well, it opened uh, November 8, 2014. So I think we've done, I think this is production number 14 or 15. Wow. I each one would have a minimum of 40 and somewhere in the neighborhood of 100. So I think we're probably six or 700 in at this point with this character. But remember, there's all the other characters that happen when this is not happening. Sure. I just came from Tchaikovsky and I go back to Bernstein and then to Tchaikovsky in Chicago. So, you know, they keep on making the rounds. But that's the nice thing about people who want to hear these stories is that we engage with these characters all over the country, and they keep on coming back. Over 1,500 songs from Irving Berlin, 25 number ones. What was his songwriting process like? As he would say, it was sheer torture. He would spread <laughs> droplets of blood onto the paper. But he loved to work at night. You know, ideas would come to him at night. 10 o'clock, he would start writing. He was very much a night owl. Had trouble sleeping his whole life, even toward the end. You know, when one would think he, all we would do is sleep. You know, he... Uh, he took a lot of Nembutal because he had so much trouble getting to sleep. It was so hard for him. But his mind was always going, and, um, you know, he would literally sweat over over lyrics and sweat over music. Music, I think, came more naturally to him. The melodies, once the lyrics seemed to be clear and established, I think the melodies evolved in a much more natural state 
than than the lyrics did. But we do know that he sweated, he crossed up, he worked again. But one of the things that's very clear in all of in Berlin pieces is that he's very clear about telling a story. You know, in in so uh, little limited amount of time, limited amount of use of language, he manages to tell incredible stories, and they all have beginnings, middle, and end. And you know, so it's not just a chorus with the, and the chorus comes back and repeats. It's all of uh, they all have an arc, and I was mesmerized by that, and realized just how well crafted they all were when I tried to fit them into this this musical format that I've created, where it, you know it's almost as if he wrote the show himself. Well, it's quite like he wrote the show himself because all these just lends naturally to uh, to these songs being told because they're stories, and so. You know, songs don't sit there like loxes on the stage just being sung. They each graph, each each sentence advances, each lyric advances the story within the story. And that really made me appreciate just how craftsmanlike he was. Irving Berlin did not read or write music, which is pretty astounding. Well, to a degree, you know, I mean, he says he doesn't play piano, but he can sort of bump around on it. He said he didn't read music at all. I think he must have been able to read a little bit. Was he very musicianly? His ear was a perfect ear. And I think that's what you need as a musician. His mode of expression was his voice. Um, did he learn the basics of the grammar of it? Not really, but then again, he didn't need it because so much he did was natural. And uh, there were teachers who guided him against taking music lessons. They said that it would get in the way of his natural musical ability. But he heard harmony and heard melody perfectly. And I think that's remarkable, but he also spent a life developing that. So his mechanism for identifying music is different from the regular trained musician, but it still very much is musicianly. And I had to come to accept that because I come from a school where if you don't know a rest from a half note, uh, you don't belong in the music business. Yet with him, it was just music above all, and notation was just sort of a dictation. It wasn't any more than that. You know, he had the music in spades. And that's a really remarkable talent that he had. Hershey Felder as Irving Berlin. It's at the Seattle Rep through the 18th of March. He had 1,500-plus songs in his songbook. Are there any songs that have not been recorded? Are there any that, that are still somewhere tucked away that no one has heard? Oh, I would believe there are. I know in the archives there's stuff that, that people don't know. Um, Bob Kimball, Robert Kimball, who is a good friend, a telephone friend of Berlin, because they used to speak every day on the telephone, but at the end of Berlin's life, he never left the house, so nobody got to see him. But um, he put together a collection of these songs with Berlin's daughter, Linda, who I know very well, who is in Paris, and uh, it's a, you know, a remarkable collection. Are there things that are not in there? I would suppose there are. You know, in the archives, things that are written on pieces of paper, things that landed up in the trunk that he discarded that have not seen the light of day. I would bet that in there, there are some quite miraculous things, and the daughters talk about those things. I don't know them, but um, but I can imagine there's some miraculous stuff. Tell me more about Hershey Felder. You were born in 1968. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what is the background of that name? It's my father's, my grandfather's name, and my grandfather passed just before I was born, and his name was Herschel, Howard, Howard Herschel, and so I got that name, and Hershey stuck from the time I was a kid. At one point, I wanted to change it to my official name when I was trying to be a fancy young musician, Howard Hersh. but who said, who cares? Who's, I mean, that's such an average name. Why would you want to do that? Your name is Hershey, and so I stayed Hershey, and Hershey was what it is. 
Your resume overflows with credits. You're a pianist, you're a playwright, producer, composer, director. You were also a scholar in residence at Harvard, and you also work with Steven Spielberg's foundation, interviewing Holocaust survivors to catalog their oral histories. How do you juggle all the projects, all the passions? Well, you live long enough, you get to do what you want to do. <laughs> You know the things you the things you go to the work for Spielberg Shoah and and Harvard. That's my goodness. Spielberg Show was 1996 90, through 98 or something like that. 99. Um, Harvard was 2002 through 2004. So you know uh, they sit there on one's bio in this way. Except uh, they do they do take up a certain amount of time. It's really the devotion to all the other things that has has been developed over the years. The company developing all these theater pieces, theater pieces for other people, filming these things, recording these things. You know, real sort of music foundation society where we create these things. And it's just daily work. You know, uh, between the time that you and I are on the phone, I'm busy preparing the score for. Uh, a musical production of the great uh, opera star Nathan Gunn, who opens in something that I've written for him, and uh, will be directing on the West Coast, in uh, well down south at Laguna. So you know it's constant work, and uh, that's the only way you can go about it: is work every day, every night. That's the job of the artist. I mean, what other job do we have but just <laughs> in light, right? Before there was Berlin, of course, there was the Coming to Life productions we talked about. Uh, you mentioned earlier the lives of Leonard Bernstein, Beethoven, Chopin, and and others, including the very first portrayal you did, which was of George Gershwin. How did that all come to be? Well, you know, the need to pay rent always drives. <laughs> you know, and, and it's true. And I, I was an actor, clear, and you know, I was a pianist, and I did those things both seriously in their domains. But I had this idea of mixing things. The first thing I wanted to do was Chopin said, "Who's going to come?" People said, "Who's going to come? Who's chopping? What are you? Nobody knows you. Nobody knows anything. Why don't you do a popular composer?" And I played the Rhapsody in Blue at that time. I was nineteen, and I thought, mm. "Why don't I see if there's a story there?" And of course, then I had to get the rights from the family. I didn't know anything about that, so that was an education to talk about an education in, in uh, rights and properties, you know. And now I fancy myself somebody who knows that stuff quite well. Uh, and uh, and the Gershwin's helping with that, getting this wonderful education in how to deal with uh, rights and royalties and properties. And um, then after that, uh, I saw that this thing sort of seemed to work. And then it, I continued doing them, and then all of a sudden it became a cottage industry. Then it became something for other artists. And all of a sudden we had a business. And I said, well, not all of a sudden, 10 years. <laughs> but, you know, 10 years, and now we're in our 25th year since I started doing these things. And and who knew, you know, I mean, the, the idea is if you commit to something that's an idea and you see that you love doing it and that other people want to share in it with you, then maybe there's a little something there and you should pursue it and not do it half halfway or sort of maybe, but to really commit to it. And maybe you'll fall fat, uh, flat on your face and fail. But my belief is if you always believe in something and there's at least one or two people who like what you're doing, eventually there will be more out there. And you need to have two things to make this work. You need to have absolute commitment and a lot of patience, and eventually it really does come. You've done many musicals and life portrayals, and I won't ask you what your favorite is, but how often do you bring them back to the stage, or do you? They always keep on. I haven't been able to let go of them. I started Gershwin 25 years ago. I just had to do it last year in New York. I mean, it never ends. So um, they keep on they keep on coming back, and they have gone in cycles. This year, the cycle seems to be a lot of Berlin, Bernstein, mm -hmm. uh, Beethoven, and Tchaikovsky. Those are the four 
that are happening this particular season, and by that I mean from this past September through through June, July. Um, and it's four characters going back and forth and going from Berlin to going to Tchaikovsky, from Tchaikovsky uh, to Beethoven, then Beethoven right back to Berlin, Berlin then to Tchaikovsky, and, it's, and to Bernstein smack in the middle. So it's, it's, you know, you have to keep on your toes with stuff like this. How has the production of Hershey Felder as Irving Berlin evolved from the first time you brought Irving Berlin back to life on stage to now? H- has the production changed at all? Have you made changes in it? Well, this is an interesting question. You know, um, I played it in, let's say, April. April in uh, Berkeley, Berkeley Rep. And then I played it, I think, with Tchaikovsky all summer. Then it was San Diego this, this before I got here. And then Tchaikovsky this. And then here we are now. A lady online took me on. She said, I saw it when it opened in Los Angeles. It's so much different now, mm. you know. And I said, no, it's not. In fact, pretty much every word is the same in this play since since we opened it. Every word, every nuance, everything. I said, I know it better. I think I've I've gotten deeper into the character. You Once you know something like this better, you don't push as much. You know, you allow the audience to come to you. You're not working so hard to see if there's a laugh, if there's a story. You just know what works. I said, but the text is exactly the same text that I studied three, four years ago in New York. No, it's not. I said, <laughs> it is. I promise. I said, we have files. We could have, no, it's not. She's fighting with me. And then I realized what she was saying to me. She wasn't saying that the text has changed, even though in her mind it had. What had changed is the whole world had changed. And so this kind of story in the time of, you know, 2014, politics were different. The way people approached the world was different. What was our concerns were different. Um, And now things have changed, different administrations, different people, different opinions. And so it resonates differently. And that was something that was interesting to see changes with time. Hershey Felder as Irving Berlin. It plays at the Seattle Rep through the 18th of March. You can find out more about it at seattlerep.org. Are there any plans to preserve or or, or share this production on maybe a DVD or uh, perhaps PBS or some other way to extend this story out to the masses? Well, the way it's working is, you know, people pestered me about CDs for a long time. Well, we finally recorded this to archive it. You know, PBS is now that I have some friends in discussion with them. There is interest there, uh, you know, and we are going to film them. I didn't want to film them really until the end, until I said it was time to leave this character. I didn't want to uh, to really commit it to, to that kind of, of tape or posterity. Uh, a recording is one thing because you can do multiple of them, but the moment you invest in a, in a film it's a big deal you know we're all planning on it and we did we did uh, put Gershwin in the can what else did we do we did Beethoven we put that away I want to wait until I really have I know that this is the final version of it and I think it is you know after 800 performances but I think when it's pressing when it's time that's when we'll do it and release it so that it'll be sort of something that people can refer to or see or enjoy as the years go on. You're on the road quite a bit. Where's home for Hershey? Uh, at the moment, it's uh, in Seattle. <laughs> the rest of the time. <laughs> home is where the stage is. It's where the stage is. It's with the suitcase. You know, that's the way it is. You know, you're on stage 320 times a year. It's a lot. You know, main home is, of course, in New York. And then secondary home, I'm able to be in Europe. You know, that comes to a total of 12 or 13 days a year. So eventually, you know, I'm hoping that as time goes on, I get a little bit older, I'm going to be able to balance when I can actually be at home, vis-a-vis how much I have to be on the stage. But you know what? As one of my directors always said, it's 
Better than a stick in the eye that they want you on the stage. Better than a stick in the eye. Okay. It's more than a one-man show. The the artistic team behind the curtain uh, really helps bring this uh, to a flawless crescendo every night. Uh, People say, well, it's a one-man show. Well, it's not really because there's a lot of people behind the scenes that make this work. Yes, we have director Trevor Hay. We have, most important, Megan Maya, who did all the research for this and helped me to make sure that everything was in order. We have our designers, Chris Aston, Lauren Seifert, our sound designer, Eric Carstensen, Karen and Sam, who run the offices for this to make sure that all happens. But, you know, the real other important character, and this is the audience, you know, and the piano, they're two important characters. The piano, because without the piano, the whole thing doesn't work. But the audience is a very important character, and in this piece, they happen to take part. They have a role in this piece. They come in and they're cast immediately because it's based on an evening that actually happened in Irving Berlin's life where people, strangers, people who were carolers coming to sing for Christmas came to sing to his house and he invited them in. And so the audience is immediately cast in a character that actually existed. That makes it more than a one-man show. It's every night a six, seven hundred or eight person, eight hundred person show, and uh, that makes it very touching because we're all in there together, all taking part in this in this event. We we have a national radio show, and for listeners around the country, uh, where does the show go next, or is this the end for a while of Berlin? No, Berlin next uh, is going to appear in Cleveland at the Cleveland Playhouse at the in June. Between then, it's Tchaikovsky in Chicago and Bernstein at the McCallum Theater in the Desert and Beethoven at the Laguna Playhouse, and that takes us right up to June where we land in Cleveland with Irving Berlin. And starting at the end of August, we open the Berlin show in New York for several months. Oh, in New York? Wow. Mm-hmm. Where, where will the play in New York? 1590, 59th, a theater that I love very much in Manhattan mm. and where I've made appearances before, one as a director and one with the Bernstein show and have had great success there. So, you know, it's um, it's a lovely thing to be able to go around the country and share these pieces with people from all over. Hershey Felder joining us. Hershey Felder as Irving Berlin at the Seattle Rep through March 18th. Tell me a little bit about your Paris love story. Well, that's the last piece in the in the in this collection of nine characters. And uh, it's the story where I'm able to tell about uh, one of the great loves of my life, Claude Debussy, and his music that I discovered for myself when I was just a kid, going through a very hard time with a very, very painful illness in the family, and how this music painted a picture of, of safety and security for me when I was 11, 12, 13 years old and uh, how it landed me up making uh, a residence in Paris myself. And um, so it's the one very, very personal story, along with the story of the composer, that I get to tell that ties up this whole series and explains how the whole thing happened to begin with, using, using the music of Claude Debussy. One of the great quotes from Irving Berlin is, the toughest thing about being a success is that you have to keep being a success. Uh, and, and talent is only the starting point. So you go from character to character, from city to city, and, and I certainly hope that you will be back in Seattle again at some point uh, with your incredible talent. Well, I've loved it here, and I, I will continue loving it here for two weeks, and I'm grateful that you have been kind enough to uh, talk to me about all of this here in Seattle. I want to encourage all of our listeners, uh, you don't have much time. It ends on March 18th. This is a must-see.
Hershey Felder as Irving Berlin at the Seattle Rep. You can get tickets at seattlerep.org. I thank you so very much for your time, uh, Hershey, and I wish you continued success on stage and in real life. And thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure speaking with you. I'm Neil Scott. We're going to take a short time out. We'll be back with more right after this. Oh. 